Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Soul Driven Podcast for another amazing, entertaining, insightful, mind-blowing discussion. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's a good one. And I'm so glad that you're here to spend it with me and my beautiful guest today. My name is Anna Hendricks, a spiritual guide, Akashic Soul Channel, and your host. And I am thankful, thankful, thankful that you have chosen to tune in and share your time with us. And it is definitely going to be worth it. In fact, I can't wait to share today's episode with you. I've wanted to share it really since we recorded it. And I just want to say real quick on the front end, even if you are not a parent, you are going to learn so much from this episode, okay? So not to worry, this is not an episode just for parents, but it is definitely for parenting, absolutely. So, you know, this could be a friend for a friend of yours, you could share it with them, or like maybe you have a granddaughter, maybe you have like whatever the case may be. This is also going to kind of blow your mind open in regards to thinking about your own childhood and the ways in which you grew up in the world, the ways in which you experienced it, the ways in which conditioning just kind of slid right in that back door, made itself home and has not left. It's, It's an incredible discussion. And of course, we're geeking out on human design, which is a huge, 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 uh, why am I not able to speak today? (laughs) I'm telling y'all this Neptune sun opposition is messing with me big time. What I'm trying to say is I love human design. For those who don't know, I started working with human design in 2019. This was back when I was still the CEO of a marketing agency and I would utilize human design with my clients, my branding clients, my solopreneurs, and it was just phenomenal. They loved it. I loved it. And I kind of put it down for a hot bit when I dove into the Akashic Records pretty hard, but then brought it back. I think, yes, at the beginning of 2021, I got my full-on certification. I did the whole thing because I just really wanted to geek out about it, you know, and learn. I used to offer readings and I used to specifically offer readings for parents with their kids because it was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to um, like tell you all the things that I'm going to tell you when we get into the episode and that Alexandra, today's beautiful guest, will also say to you, but suffice it to say, today's topic is one that's near and dear to my heart. I would love to be able to offer this gift to every parent out there and I wish every parent would take it. You know, it's kind of like an astrology chart, although I have to say that I think human design and looking and working with a human design chart is actually, and I might get beat up for this from my beautiful astrologers who tune in, I think it's actually more helpful on the day-to-day stuff. It's going to give you practical advice, practical ways to shift things. Look, everything is energy. Everything's energy. I just talked about this last week's podcast. I taught about it in the workshop earlier this week. Everything is energy. 
And human design literally maps out your energy map of your body, where it shows up, where it works, where it's flowing, what's it going on, which helps you to understand why people connect with you the way they do, why you resonate the way you do with other people, like just all kinds of stuff. So it's a big topic today. And I'd love to have Alexandra back just because there was so much that I didn't even get into, but it's all good. So before I introduce her real quick, we got a short little bit of announcements here. Number one, if you would like to learn how to access the Akashic Records, tonight's a workshop. If you sign up, I believe by noon, 1 p.m., maybe 2 p.m., I think it cuts off like five hours before the workshop, which is 6.30 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. You can sign up, you can join live, or you can catch the replay. I'm going to be teaching the level two in October. So you got to take level one before you take level two, if that is something you're interested in. The level two is going to be fantastic. It's more focused on just really deepening your practice in addition to learning how to read for others. And it is so much fun. The last one I taught, um, the attendees were just flipping out and they made friends outside of class and they read for each other outside of class and just continued along on with what they were doing. So definitely if you are wanting to eventually learn how to read the Akashic Records for other people, you got to take the first class first. So that's tonight. Sign up. Links will be in the show notes. And second, if you are needing guidance if in your life if you are at a crossroads if you've got a lot of questions if you whatever the case may be if you are feeling drawn to the akashic records you can book a session with me and if you are a new client you can use the code new beginning and receive 10 percent off okay and then last but not least i am going to be releasing october's workshops probably over the next week make sure you're on my email list so that you can always get the most up updated information there. I'm so struggling to talk. <laughs> I'm like, why am I struggling? <laughs> um, but that information will be coming out. In addition, you can follow me on Instagram where I'm doing my little fun 30 day post a reel a day challenge. This is for me to help me like not feel so weird about showing up on camera and to show up on camera when I'm, maybe I'm not looking my best. I have like a lot of fears that I'm trying to work through. And so I'm chucking myself out there to make a reel every day. And it's been so fun. It's like really amped up my creativity. It's got me like, it's been good. But yesterday, yesterday, I think it was like day 16 in the 30, I think something like that, maybe 15. It was hard, y'all. I, I, the, Previous two nights, I've gotten like four hours of sleep each one. Thankfully, thank the Lord I got sleep last night. But man, yesterday was rough. My head felt like a tin helmet. It it was rough. I did not want to show up. I did not want to anything. And, you know, when I finally was like, all right, let's do it. Thankfully, the idea, it was just quirky and fun and cute and quick. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, okay, I really wanted to talk myself out of it, though, like hard. <laughs> but I did it. I showed up. I showed up. Okay. All right. Alexandra Cole. Alexandra is a former corporate consultant turned human design coach. After a decade of helping Fortune 500s identify and articulate their why, she pivoted to help individuals 
Families and couples do the same. She uses human design as a tool to help her clients pursue their purpose with more clarity and confidence. Alexandra is passionate about translating insights from her clients' human design charts into actionable strategies for optimizing their relationships, well-being, careers, finances, and family life. Alexandra was born in London, raised in Amsterdam, educated at Princeton University, and now lives in Santa Barbara, California, which is gorgeous, y'all. I I actually used to live there many moons ago with her husband and two-year-old son. He is so cute. And we're like, we have so much in common with our charts. Uh, Becoming a mother inspired her to create Thriving by Design, a collection of tools, cheat sheets, and online courses designed to give parents insight into their child's unique sensitivities, preferences, and gifts, as well as tactical tips for how to support them. Alexandra is happiest when moving her body, eating good food, exploring new places, and in deep conversation with new or old friends. In addition, folks, to today in our conversation, she is launching, I think it's like a six-month intensive like mastermind for parents all about human design and I gotta tell you like if I had kids I would 100% be joining it's going to be an incredible journey you're going to learn so much it is not only going to make parenting way easier but your child is just going to be able to oh my gosh like all of the conditioning that we work through and every day they're going to grow they're going to be able to step into themselves and understand themselves at a younger age, regardless of when you start this, it's going to be huge. If my parents would have had this information, you know, I can say no regrets, but like (laughs) life would have been a whole heck of a lot easier and better. I would have been nicer to myself. I would have been more loving to myself. They would have, you know, thought I wasn't such a wild child and it would have been good for everyone. So a couple of things that we're going to talk about today, how human design helps you to express your energy, We will briefly go over the five energy types and just some components in the chart so that you can kind of like get the lay of the land. If you would like to assign, well, if you would like to um, look at your own chart, look at your children's chart, I would recommend going to myhumandesign.com. This is going to be the best site for beginners for you to just check it out. And that way you can kind of look at it as we're going through today. Um, we're also going to be talking about different learning styles, how important the authority is. Food is a major topic today, major topic. And I love something that she shared. Food is the greatest area of conditioning. That was massive for me, especially as someone who grew up in restaurants who, yeah, I won't get into it, but huge. And again, you think about young kids, right? Like food is such a thing. Um, you know, our digestion environment, Um, of course she talks about the benefits of understanding your human design for your kids charts, where to start, like whole nine yards. It's a phenomenal discussion. I can't wait to share it with you. So I'm going to stop chattering now and let you enjoy. Be sure to take a screenshot of this. Hit me up, tag me on Instagram. I'd love to share it with my audience. I'd love to hear how it resonates with you. You can also tag Alexandra. Um, all her links will be in the show notes as well. And yeah, let us know what you are walking away with. Sending you so much love. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. 
If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. I am so excited to have you, Miss Alexandra, because one of the things that I have become most passionate about over the past couple of years, not only in my work, but especially in sort of my walk with human design, is children, is parenting, is seeing this dynamic and thinking about my own childhood, thinking about all of the ways in which it could have been so much easier for my poor parents and vice versa, like how much better it would have been for me to grow up in a different way, to experience things in a different way. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic with you because I have loved the content that you've shared about it. I don't even have children and I like, I'm like sending it to my brother and like I wanna like share it with everyone that I know. Um, but where I'd like to start with you is a bit more on a personal level. I'm really curious to know. So similar to me, you left corporate America and stepped into your own kind of work. I'm really curious about what that, how that experience was for you. Oh man. Well, you know that the journey <laughs> isn't easy, but then once you've made the leap, you look back and you wonder how in the heck you were in that world for so long. Um, which is, is kind of funny, but yes, I started my career. Actually, if I go back most of my life, I kind of followed the path that looked best on paper. Let's put it that way. Um, and because of that, it was very easy to always see one, two, three steps ahead. Cause I knew exactly what I needed to do in order to achieve kind of that next professional milestone. So I started my career in management consulting, which was really one of two tracks that coming out of my very privileged Ivy League education, people were kind of put onto. It was finance or management consulting. So I, like a good girl, went down one of those two paths. And about two and a half, three years in, a very close friend of mine came back from traveling around the world. And she started telling me about this idea she had for a company. She was talking about how there was this growing gap between our generation and what we wanted from an employer and from products that we were purchasing and then what was actually out there on the market or how we were actually being treated in, in companies. And she said, what if there was a company that could kind of be that bridge and act as a translator for what this kind of new ecosystem and new cohort of talent and consumers wanted? And I became so excited about this idea. It was now looking back, it was my my sacral center as a generator, right? Being lit up for the really for the first time in that way. Um, and I started helping her just purely based on that excitement. And I was already doing maybe 14, 16 hour days, but I would meet her before I went to work, late at night afterwards. And we kind of started building this, this concept together. And one day she asked me, would you want to leave and do this with me? And 
without really having to think about it, I just said, hell yes. <laughs> and it was very, it was much more complicated than that in terms of the actual execution. Cause I'm a foreign citizen and I had a visa. And so the whole thing took a little while. Um, but again, I think it was the first time that I realized that, you know, that, that desire and that want was actually so strong that all of my worries and concerns about what that would mean for this perfect life path that I've carved out just kind of dissipated and fell away. Like I could not give a damn about any of that. <laughs> so I jumped into this and that move actually was the thing that really spurred my whole interest in spirituality, personal development, um, because during that time I did a lot of work on, you know, why is this so hard to make this move and why didn't I question what I was doing before? Um, and I discovered that so many of my peers were struggling with very similar types of questions, but they didn't have the thing that was lighting them up. And without that thing, it becomes really difficult to just make the move blindly. So I actually ended up writing a book on how to find, how to, identify, articulate, and pursue your purpose, essentially, but in a very kind of structured step-by-step -step way. And as I was writing that, I discovered human design, which felt like the missing puzzle piece, right? Because human design is this roadmap to the most authentic version of you and how to feel most alive and fulfilled and on purpose, essentially. Um, and I'm, I have a one line, which for those who are familiar with human design, you know, I love, I love having systems and structure and frameworks essentially through which to do stuff. And so finding human design was like, oh my gosh, this is the key. If people had this, they would have more confidence to lean into that little voice that's telling them to like, take a leap, take a risk do something different, say no, say yes. Um, and that that confidence is what people were missing or that compass, right? So that's when I kind of fell in love with the system and and started pursuing that, never with the intent of, of doing it as a job. Um, that kind of just happened the more I tuned into what felt good and the more feedback I started getting from from the clients that I was working with. Yeah, I love that. It's like the story of, um, so of course this podcast is called Soul Driven and it's so much about like getting on that that soul driven path, you know, that that passion that just ignites you. I mean, I have I have jumped off some big cliffs for that, for that excitement. And I think you're so right. I mean, in my, with my marketing agency that I had prior to the work that I do now, I worked with so many different business owners and the business owners who struggled the most were the ones who were like doing it for the money, who were doing it for all of the so-called reasons, right? Hand quotations versus the ones who were like fully in it for their passion, for their love of it. And I know there's a lot of rhetoric out there online about you don't want to fall, you know, you don't want to make your passion your job and all these things. And I just think that there's no like, you know, clearly defined way to say yes or no to that. I think that's such an individual decision and, and basis, right? Like we can't ever say no or yes to that entirely. Um, but I love, I love that that's kind of, you know, 
that a that was like the like that was a catalyst for jumping you off and sending you into this work. Um, so let's kind of transition into human design itself. As I was sharing with you beforehand, my audience has a pretty good understanding of human design, but in case there's someone joining who's totally brand new, um, I would just really love you super briefly to just kind of explain what it is and then maybe just do a little, you know, one sentence, whatever intro on each of the five types so that we can, we can dive right on in afterwards. <laughs> okay. I... I'm also going to give you permission to cut me off because when we say a brief intro into the types, I'm going to try and keep it as succinct as possible, <laughs> but there's always so much I want to there say, but so I know much. there's plenty of podcasts out there on those five types. So I'll try and keep it short, but I very much think of human design as a self-awareness tool, right? It's like a scientific and spiritual system that essentially gives you this roadmap or blueprint to the way your energy is designed to express itself in the most authentic way possible. So based on where all of the planets were and the energetics that were present, that exact moment that you took your first breath, you were imprinted with a certain set of preferences, sensitivities, interests, way of interacting with the world around you and responding to the world around you. Um, and understanding what that blueprint looks like for you, again, gives you permission, but also confidence to stay true to that in a world where there is constant pressure to conform right? Like we call this in human design conditioning, which is, you know, when you get so influenced by your environment that you start showing up in a way that isn't actually true to who you are. Um, and unfortunately, we just live in a world where this is rampant, right? There, We are told that there is one right way to work, one right way to be in relationship with others, one right way to parent effectively. When in reality, and this is what human design is based on, we're all here to be unique and different. And therefore we need to take a completely unique and different approach to the way we work, the way we're in relationship, the way we parent. Um, and amidst all that pressure, having something tangible that you can point to and say, no, look, I am meant to follow my heart or listen to my emotions instead of my mind. Like that is so helpful. Um, and just gives people more confidence to trust those things and to set themselves up to thrive and to, to, to actually be able to live out that purpose, that unique and distinct purpose that they're here to live out. So that's human design. And we start oftentimes when you hear about human design, the first thing you'll learn is something called your energy type, which is really just the mechanics of your energy. So how you are designed to invest energy in order to get the greatest return on that investment. So this doesn't even get into your personality or those sensitivities or your preferences. It is purely energetics. Like what type of energy and are you here to contribute to the world? So those five types, I'll, I'll very briefly go through each of them. I'll start with the generators because we make up basically the largest cohort along with manifesting generators, which Anna, I think you are. <laughs> um, so generators are really here to be the kind of energizer bunnies of the world. 
generators have what we call this sacral motor. So right behind our belly button, our sacral center, if you're familiar with the chakras, is our hub, our life force. And it is this very sustainable motor that can be applied to things in a very sustainable way. So we're the people who can hustle, who can grind, who can put our heads down and just keep moving things forward. The key is we can only do that in a very persistent, sustainable way if the stuff we are investing our time and energy in excites us, if we feel lit up by the things that we are applying ourselves to. That sounds really simple, but (laughs) because generators are such doers and executors and are oftentimes from a young age praised for that, for the doing, we tend to associate a lot of our self-worth with how much we are doing, especially how much we're doing for other people. And so many of us end up saying yes to things that don't excite us at all. And that actively lowers our potential output, creativity, contribution, right? And so the the hardest thing for generators is that it's so easy to be fine, like with a capital F, because we can always do the bare minimum. And I my dream is to help generators realize that there's also such a thing as fabulous. And like you can actually get there if only you started setting better boundaries and saying yes exclusively to things that excite you and feel like that full body hell yes. So that's a generator. Manifesting generators operate very similarly to a generator, except that they have a little bit of the manifester energy in them, which I'll describe as as the, the next type. But manifesting generators are really here to show us that life is not meant to be linear. They are the ultimate multi-passionate humans. They move incredibly quickly from one thing to the next. And in the moment, a lot of the time for manifesting generators, it doesn't make sense. Like they're they're going from one to the other. And like, you know, it kind of seems like they're a little all over the place. But then in hindsight, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense that this led to this led to that. So for manifesting generators, really the key is to let go of trying to make things, quote unquote, make sense, and to also be able to move on when things are no longer exciting to you. Because again, there's this pressure in the world to stick to stuff, to be loyal, to stay in your job for 20 years. And yet manifesting generators are really here to operate like honeybees. I love this analogy because honeybees are here to fly from flower to flower and cross pollinate as they go. And that's exactly what you are here to do as a manifesting generator. So just because you were into human design last week doesn't mean you still need to be into it this week. And if you force yourself to stick to it, everyone is going to notice that it's not as authentic anymore. And so it's in your best interest to really, truly honor that sacral excitement and let go when it's no longer exciting you. And also to stop trying to make sense of the pattern of your life because you're here to zig and zag, essentially. (laughs) Manifestors make up only about 9% of the population And manifestors are really here to be our trailblazers. Manifestors are here to have massive impact and to initiate and to start things. That's really the energy they are here to bring to things. And the way their energy works is unlike generators and manifesting generators that have that very sustained motor, 
manifestors, they'll get this urge that'll drop in out of nowhere and to do something, to create something most often. And that creative urge comes with this huge burst of energy where it's literally like that manifestor can move mountains. And it's like this big ride up to the top and then they crash. And it's really important for them to honor that crash and that low just as much as they honored the all the way up because guess what? Their next creative burst is only going to be as good as the rest that preceded it. Um, the other thing about manifestors is that they really have to not care at all about other people's opinions, whether other people are on board with your ideas, because when you are here to trailblaze and to be a pioneer, if you stop to get validation and approval every step of the way, you are never going to create the thing that you're here to create. And that is really, again, super challenging in today's world where there's that kind of conformist mentality of like, don't be too out there. Don't, you know, be too crazy. Whereas like manifestors are actually here to be out there. Um, so and they are, I, they are. And when you meet a true manifest, you're like, ah, this you is, know, you know, and they're, and they also really trigger you, right? Like they're here to trigger people because to create the scale of change that they are here to create, like they've got to challenge that status quo. They've really got to kind of rub up and, 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 and ruffle people's feathers a little bit. And that's what they're here to do. So that's the manifester. Next up, projectors. Projectors make up about 20% of the population, and they are really here to be our wise guides. Projectors, their gift is really to see things more clearly than other people can and to see things maybe from a different perspective than other people do. Um, projectors are wired to immediately identify what's wrong, what's missing, what can be done better. Like they are, if, if generators are the energizer bunnies, projectors are the optimizer bunnies, right? They are here to work mm. smarter instead of harder and to bring efficiency to everything that they do. So oftentimes you see projectors um, be really fascinated by systems and automation and how people work and how to optimize all of those things. Um, projectors, though, do not have their own internal motor. And so they are very sensitive to the energetics of the environment that they're in, and they mirror that. So projectors' own energy is designed to ebb and flow. They can apply themselves in a very focused way. They're best when they can focus on one thing at a time or one person at a time for short, intense bursts of time. And then they also, again, really need to rest and recharge. It's not that very sustainable type of energy. And the way projectors recharge best is by being alone. Um, ideally, again, because they're always picking up on other people's energy. And the other key for projectors is because they have limited amounts of energy, it's important for them to what we call wait for the invitation, to wait to actually be invited to share their opinion, their ideas, their perspective, because if they go around sharing it any single time, they think it might be valuable to someone else, 
guess what? At least 50% of the time, the person on the other end is not going to be ready to do anything with that information yet, or they're not going to want to receive it. So they'll resist it. And there is nothing more frustrating for a projector than telling someone exactly what they need to do to solve their problem. <laughs> and then that person not doing it. So it's best that you wait for that invitation. So you know that there's going to be a tangible outcome on the other end. And that kind of more passive approach, again, is really hard in a world where you're told to go out and make your dreams happen, right? Like take action. And actually projectors are better off kind of sitting back and waiting for the action to come to them. Last type reflectors are really the kind of special snowflakes, I would say, of the human design world. They make up only 1%, 1 to 2% of the population. And projectors are these highly sensitive human beings who, or sorry, reflectors are these highly sensitive human beings who are essentially a constant product of their environment in that specific moment. They are here originally to, to live at the center of community and society, to be a constant pulse check as to how that society and community is doing. Because when their environment is suffering, the reflector is suffering. They feel everything that the people in their environment feel, right? They become, like when you know reflectors, if you know a reflector, they become the person they date, right? It's really interesting. Like I have a reflector, really close friend, and everything from the way that she dresses to the things that she's interested in will change based on who she's with at that moment in time. And it can be incredibly challenging to be a reflector because you're just con like, there is no consistent you, right? There's like certain character traits that are consistent, but in general, you're just constantly evolving based on where you are and who you're with. But the magic of a reflector is that they are here to be our truth tellers because they can see through everything, all the BS, straight to the core of who that person is and what they're feeling and what they're thinking and what they want. Um, and so really, we want to see these reflectors as these, these wise, um, again, guides in a way, but really just the people who are here to mirror and reflect the truth in that specific moment. I have a lot of ref reflectors in my life. The whole time, like with, with when you're going over every type, I'm like, oh yes, I got a story there. Oh yes, I got a story there. <laughs> I did, I, um, I did a Akashic reading once for a reflector in a salt cave, and it was the most like energetically. I don't do this is when I used to do readings in person. It was the most difficult thing because every time I would kind of look at her, I was seeing me. I kept having to pull my energy back because hers was just pulling me right in. And of course, being in that salt cave was energetically, again, like so strong. It was it was the wildest thing. <laughs> I can it's such imagine. a fascinating energy type. It is. And when I do readings for reflectors, I notice, right, a reflector takes on the energy of the person they're with. So they they almost show up to me as a generator, right? So they seem super energized, but I know that as soon as we're done with a the call, they're going to need to go crawl in bed because pretending to have that, that generator energy for that hour in such intensity is exhausting to someone who isn't designed to experience that consistently. Yeah, it's a lot. 
I love how you broke that down because, I mean, the thing is, as we transition here into really talking about children and parenting is, you know, the way that I always viewed human design and the work that I utilized it for, and and you even said this yourself, is it being this incredible deconditioning tool, you know, and I remember the first time, I mean, I had been working with human design for a couple of years at this point, and I was over at my brother's house one day, and I saw my nephew, who is a 3-5, his profile, he's a generator, and he is such a force, oh my gosh, such a force, and um, he pulled a total third line thing, and then got in trouble, and I just sat there, and my heart broke, because it was like I remembered so much being a kid and what that felt like, what the real intention was, what was going on, and just the way in which, you know, like, of course, my brother, they're amazing parents. They're so good with the kids, but not understanding that this is a third line thing and instead thinking this is like a, I need to discipline this type of thing thing, you know, and then of course the heartbreak, it was just like, oh my gosh. And I really wanted to, that was when I started becoming really passionate about talking to my clients about their kids. You know what I mean? Like doing those kinds of readings with clients, which I don't offer anymore, but was such a draw for me when I started seeing your content and the things that you were sharing, because, you know, all of like how you broke down each type, I mean, like projectors, they exist in a world of generators. So they think they have to be a generator, right? Um, And so I'd love to really kind of transition into really talking about, you know, children specifically and parenting. I mean, there's there's such a, a beautiful circle here, right? It makes it easier and better for everyone. I know that you having your son was a huge catalyst into this work. And I'd love to know like where that kind of happened for you. Where like, I'm sure that as a reader, you looked at his chart immediately, but like, was there something early on when you were like, oh, this, I have to, this is it. Oh my gosh, so many things. So (laughs) when I had my son, I was obviously very excited to look up his chart, but I wanted to treat it as a true experiment. So... I wanted to try and allow him to, because I was so aware of this aspect of conditioning. And obviously one of the earliest conditioning forces is your parents and your household, obviously culture, but that really comes later. Like the first is your parents. And humans, just like your, your brother, right? Humans are going to always default to one, what the parenting books say, but two, what worked for them what they learned, how they were raised, right? And so I was trying and my experiment was, okay, I'm gonna throw all of that out the window and just try and treat this kid um, in such a way that I'm actually allowing him to tell me what he needs every step of the way. Because the the whole idea of human design is that, that that individual, if you just let them be, like we actually need to do so much less than we think we need to do as parents, <laughs> knows what they need in order to be the best, most authentic version of them. So I had his chart and I had my child and it was from the very, very beginning, they were like carbon copies of one another. 
And even to the point, I think the first thing where it really struck me was that his digestion type, which is like how he extracts the greatest amount of nourishment from his food and how he processes it most effectively is indirect light, which means that he digests best basically after the sun has set. So towards the end of the day. And I had downloaded this schedule, this feeding schedule online, you know, in my attempt to be a good mom and to, to breastfeed. And I was following this schedule religiously, right? Like 7 a.m. feed, 10 a.m. feed. And he just was taking like half the amount of ounces in the mornings. And I couldn't, I, I kept stressing out. I would like force him to stay on the boob, right? I would be... <laughs> Know, stressing the you know about maybe if I have to like start formula if it's not working and I hadn't even looked at this part of his human design yet but after a few weeks of this I thought oh I need to look at his digestion and I saw it was indirect light and I'm like holy moly maybe he's just not as hungry in the mornings so guess what I just kind of let it be and I tracked the number of ounces and sure enough he made up for all those missed ounces in the last two feeds of the night and that was kind of the first thing that allowed me to step even more into okay I'm just gonna trust this and along the way I mean you know he wasn't even communic he couldn't even verbalize certain things yet but I could tell in his chart with having a one line that the safety and security was so important to him. And so I noticed when it was, I left him with new babysitters, for example, that was incredibly stressful for him. Mm. So even just talking to him or having babysitters come over while I was there once or twice to get to know him. And this is when this kid is like nine months old, which most <laughs> parents might do this when they have a two-year-old that's more aware, but I had to start doing this at nine months old. Um, and it, it made all the difference. So I, I really think that human design can give parents just an insight that, again, makes them so much more relaxed and more trusting of their child and more open to approaching things in a way that might be different from what the books are saying or what you knew growing up. So what are some of the benefits of working with human design you know, with, with children that, that you've experienced, maybe that you've utilized like, or seen with your clients or, you know, just, I, I'm sure that there's a lot. <laughs> so maybe just, <laughs> maybe just so kind many. of share some of the, the top ones that you've seen. Well, one example for, I had a client yesterday who has two daughters and we were talking about each of her daughters. She's a generator. Her husband is a manifesting generator. One of her daughters is a generator. And then they have a projector daughter. Mm. And Poor she, projector. <laughs> well, as we were going through their charts and I was explaining more about kind of those dynamics, you could see her just her mind was blown because what she said is, I could not understand why my projector daughter would tap out halfway through a family dinner or activity or all her friends were having a sleepover and she didn't want to go and she's like i thought something was wrong with her or that she was being bullied and i couldn't understand like why wouldn't you want to go be with all your friends like they're all hanging out together and that realization of oh my gosh she's a projector now can allow this mom 
to support her child in that, to encourage it, to say, yep, I totally get it. But why don't I drive you over the next morning at 8 a.m. so you can still have breakfast with them, right? So you can sleep in your own bed, get some rest, get some alone time, and then join them. So I think just understanding the fundamental differences between these energy types is huge within a family dynamic, especially if the majority of the family operates one way and there's like, you know, a single person who might have a different style of energy. That also goes for if you have a manifestor child, everyone is going to tell you to discipline that child, right? Everyone's going to say, oh, they can't just go and do that by them. Like they're manifestors naturally are so again independent a little bit triggering and it can be really challenging the best thing for you to do is just let them be right allow them to ride those waves get up really high and then crash back down instead of thinking oh my gosh there's something wrong with them or with me which happens a lot and ruins a lot of relationships because of that and i see the effects when i'm dealing with these clients later on in life so that's one. I would also say learning styles. From a parenting perspective, understanding the way your child is, is best positioned to absorb information and learn is so helpful when it comes to picking a school, advocating for them at school, right? Communicating with teachers. Um, again, you use the three line example, right? Three lines are really here to experiment, to learn by doing, and to learn through trial and error. So I, me, having a three-line son, I'm always going to encourage him to try, even if I know it's going to be wrong, right? Even if I know that the experiment is going to fail, I still encourage him to do that. And then we have the discussion of, okay, how might we do it differently next time to get him super comfortable with that process? Because I know that as soon as he goes to school, there's going to be so much pressure to do it perfectly the first time. And they're just inevitably going to identify failure as wrong, right? Oh, you get a D in this test where for him, that's not what I want him to take away from that. So like I can now already start priming him um, for the school system, which I know is not going to change anytime soon, right? Just unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, Exactly. So he can advocate for himself and I can advocate for him too. So that's, that's also another example. Um, then there's just the really practical kind of like lifestyle oriented things like the digestion we just talked about, like how they're designed to get the most nutrients out of their food. I had a, a family again, where the dad had hot food digestion, which means he enjoys food warm, like room temperature or above. And so the whole family defaulted to hot meals, right? And not just hot in terms of temperature, but also like spicy, um, lots of like chili, cinnamon, all of mm. that. And they had a child who was cold food digestion. And so that child actually really needs the opposite. And the mom said that, you know, we have this really picky eater in our family. She never eats anything. We don't know what to do. So once we found out she had cold digest and she, oh, she also said the only thing she ever eats is PB and J sandwiches. So we just give her that at every meal. <laughs> so finding out she had cold food digestion, I suggested, okay, well, first of all, why don't you kind of cut down on the spice factor maybe make a, a separate version before you add the spices, but also just let her food cool down, maybe even serve it to her cold sometimes and see how that goes. 
and also offer some alternative cold options to just the PB&J sandwich. And suddenly the mom got back to me like three weeks later and was like, oh, she just, she eats like a normal human now. Like it's, <laughs> it's incredible. And it was just such a tiny shift. So that's another one. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. The last one I'd say is understanding what your child's authority is and the authority in human design is basically the part of them or the center, but let's just say the part of them that is their most trustworthy compass when it comes to decision-making. So the better and the more connected they feel to their authority, the better they're going to set up to navigate any challenges they might face in life. So the more you can encourage them to make decisions from that place as a parent, the better. And these authorities can be emotional, sacral, splenic, G-center, and all of these kind of um, map to a, a certain part. So they can be your emotions, they can be your gut, they can be your intuition, your heart, um, your values, and then also the mind. So knowing what your child's authority is can help you cater to that. Um, and I have a lot of content in terms of how to actually support and play into that as a parent. Like, for example, if you have a, a sacral child, which means they're designed to make decisions based on their gut, it's really helpful to give them defined options because they're not going to be able to decide what they want for dinner out of a universe of options, right? But they'll be able to know which option they're more excited about if you tell them, you know, do you want pasta or do you want, you know, a sandwich? They'll know which one their sacral is more excited about, but they need that defined option. And for you as a parent, it's going to make life a lot easier if you can play into that. So huge. So, so huge. Yeah, my my first nephew is a generator and the youngest is a manifester. And interacting with him and the like when he kind of got a little bit older enough to where I could like, you know, kind of be on his level a little bit more, um, you know, toddler years, he's still mm -hmm. very young, but it was so fascinating to like try and play a game with him because he was not interested in playing the game the way that the game was supposed to be played. <laughs> he wanted to play in his way and he would get so angry. And it was just so fascinating to me just, just watching him because I just kind of sat back and was just like, checking him out you know like okay we'll do it your way this is whatever like you know I, I didn't care um but I love but that's that. amazing that's amazing that you're able to do that because you can imagine how nine out of ten parents are like no this is not the way the game is supposed to be played like here are the instructions in an effort out of love right like they want to prepare their child for when they're playing it with friends that they know how to do it the right way yeah but having someone in his life who allows him to fully embrace that manifester way of doing it is huge. <laughs> well, the manifester energy is such a unique type to me, especially like I recognize all of the energy types usually when I come into contact with them, but because the manifester always kind of, like you said, it's a bit triggering, like it throws you off base. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, whoa, what is this? You know? Um, and at the same time, I love it. I so enjoy it, but it's, it's, it's a fascinating case study to me. So one of the things that has really become apparent to me over just like the past year or two and like my own work with human design, which is primarily with adults, is that this element of, so in human design, for those who aren't aware, most, 
most practitioners will tell you that knowing, um, you know, your authority and your strategy are like the main key components to really kind of lighting up your chart and getting things aligned. However, I have really come to see that actually digestion and environment play such a huge role and really I think are even bigger because especially as adults, like we've been conditioned and then we don't usually feel safe enough to actually listen to our um, authority and strategy, like to work with those yet. And I'm so curious if like, you know, because I guess kids, like they haven't had this conditioning yet necessarily, but what are, what are your thoughts on that? Like in relation to kids? Such a good question. So here's my take. So if people were to correctly follow their strategy and authority a hundred percent of the time, they would naturally eat according to their digestion, seek out their environment, look at the world through the perspective they're supposed to see the world, right? That would naturally happen, which is why there's so much emphasis on strategy and authority, strategy and authority, because the rest will naturally fall into place if that's what you're following. However, per your point, the majority of adults can't do that. And so that's why I think when they hear the more specific information like, how you're supposed to eat or where you're going to do your best work. Um, it's almost easier for them to wrap their head around that and gravitate towards it. It's like the chicken or the egg and being in that environment and eating in that way is going to make it then easier for them to trust the strategy and authority. And so it kind of is a, a self, you know, supporting cycle in a way. For kids, just like the example I just provided with my son, because there is no conditioning yet, these kids are actually naturally going to eat in the way that is most supportive for them. However, food, for example, is I think the area in life, maybe along with parenting, where there is the greatest amount of conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. Like as a parent, most parents have very um, specific ways that they are going to plan to feed their children and very strict rules around food in terms of the dinner table and, you know, clearing your plate and eating vegetables and so forth. Um, If we all just let our kids eat in the way that they wanted to eat, yes, obviously there would probably be a little more sugar than we'd like them to, but they would naturally, for example, gravitate towards those colder foods. They would naturally eat more for dinner instead of for breakfast if they had indirect digestion. They would naturally prefer to eat the same thing over and over and over and over again if they have consecutive digestion and maybe switch it up every few months based on the seasons. So I would say as a parent, be okay with that. Like really run an experiment and just allow your child to eat the way they want to eat. Now, what specifically ends up on their plate? Because a lot of the time human design really only tells you how to eat or the um, kind of environment in which to eat. So, you know, you can still have a very healthy diet and eat the same thing over and over and over and over again. You can still eat more at night and have it be somewhat healthy. So you can curate the options in terms of what the actual food is that is on the plate, but allow your child to consume it in the way that is most supportive for them, in the way they naturally want to, um, and let go of all the rules and the, the 
kind of guidelines that you are forcing upon their eating habits based on, again, what you've read, what works for you, what your friends are doing. Um, I think that would not only make the kid happier, but I think it would make the parents a lot happier too. Yeah, that's interesting. That that like sends me off on a whole because absolutely, I mean, I grew up in a restaurant, so that especially hits home with me because everything was food. <laughs> and everything was food all through growing up. And even when my mother remarried, she married an, a chef. So again, everything was food. Um, so for parents who are like, this is great, amazing, I want to die. Like, where where do you recommend parents start then when they look at their child's chart? Because of course, there's so much to look at um and you know obviously booking a reading or something like that with yourself or you know another hd practitioner would be amazing but if if they just want to really kind of start with something small what, what are your recommendations there this is why i'm so passionate about the work that i'm doing and the content i'm creating because it's really about you can read about your child's energy type but what you're really wanting to know is okay but how does that translate to sleeping and interacting with me as a different energy type right it's like that practical application and that's really hard to find um that being said if you're just pulling up your child's chart right understanding their energy type i think is huge really their understanding their authority might be even more important to understand what is that internal compass that they need to double down and trust most. Then the thing that I would look at in their chart is which of their energy centers, right? So if you look at a chart, you're going to see this very complicated diagram and there's going to be these nine shapes that are connected by different lines, which we call channels. Those nine shapes are energy centers and each of those centers represents a specific part of the human psyche body experience. So there's a center for emotions, center for fears, a center for identity, for communication. Knowing which of those centers are white is really helpful because those centers for your child are the places where they are most sensitive to conditioning, most likely to pick up on the pressures in that environment around them for better or worse, right? And these kids are supposed to have that sensitivity. The key is that you want to, to help them feel the pressure but not necessarily respond to it. Instead, use it as information about their environment. Let's say they have an open emotional center, right? Your child is designed to be very empathetic, to be very sensitive to other people's emotions. What you want to teach them is that they can feel those people's emotions, but not need to take it on or identify with it themselves, right? So you want to teach them to recognize like, oh, wow, I'm sensitive to emotion, but instead of like thinking that it's mine or to, to or to take responsibility for it, I can just use it as, oh my gosh, dad is having a tough day today. Okay, well, maybe I'm going to give him an extra hug and show up for him. But I'm not responsible for doing something with that emotion, right? It's not mine. Um, and that goes for fears. That goes for certain values, right? There's so many parts. But knowing what your child is most sensitive to and where they're most likely to be conditioned I think is a really, really good place for parents to start. Um, 
And then I, I created something called the Raised by Design Report, which is just like a 10-page high-level summary to your child's design. It's like a cheat sheet. Um, and it kind of breaks down those key parts of, of your child's chart and gives lots of examples of how you as the parent can support them in that way. I love that. That's such a, such a valuable point. Oh my gosh. This is that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, because I mean, (laughs) I guess the, the more defined centers, which are the ones that are colored in for folks who don't know, yeah, they're just not going to be as readily available to the conditioning. That's huge. Yeah. That's awesome. So the defined centers, right, is where you almost want to imagine the colored centers or defined centers are where you have this direct connection to your highest, most authentic self. So there's that that true north within you, and you have that ability to be guided from within in those areas. It's like an anchor that's always pulling you back to like, this is your point of view. This is your experience. Whereas those white centers, you don't have that anchor. And so you you're instead of being guided from within, you're constantly shaped by the environment around you. And if you're not aware of that difference, mm. it's so easy for you to get kind of like swept away in, let's say you are a child with that open emotional center and you have one parent who's incredibly emotional, you're going to constantly mirror that parent's emotions because you're you're taking all of that on. And if you're not aware that that's the dynamic that's happening, it can cause a lot of, um, again, like a, a challenge for that child, but I also think for the relationship dynamic between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I pull up a client's chart um, in, in my mentorship sessions and I see a lot of, you know, undefined white centers, I'm like, all right, so we're going to start with energy protection and <laughs> yes. because oh these poor individuals are just hanging out to the wind and drawing everything to them and wondering why they're tired all the time and why they feel all these emotions that they can't understand or, you know what I mean? I'm just like, okay, we're going to start here. Um, so... Okay, so many, I I literally have like an enormous amount of questions that we're not even remotely going to get to, of course. Um, One of the questions I had, uh, well, actually, I'll I'll wait on that one. So I'd like for you to just maybe kind of give a little kind of brief overview, because of course, I know we've been talking about young children, but I feel like this is so huge for teenagers as well. Like, oh my gosh, poor parents with teenage children. (laughs) You know, and and for those who out there, um, like maybe your children have their own teenage children, like, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like when I think about, because my parents honestly weren't around a lot when I was a kid, they were running businesses, they were doing their own thing. So I had a lot of freedom in my childhood. It was really so much more when I got older into my teenage years and started left private school for public school that things all of a sudden became like very out of whack for me. It just didn't make sense anymore. All of a sudden, a lot of these like conditioned ideas about who I should be and what I, you know, going from a very small, like tight knit private school to, you know, just being among the masses and a lot of things I didn't understand. Um, But I'd love for you to just maybe touch on on teenagers a bit as well, you know, um, 
how how parents can really utilize human design and in, in, in their lives as you know too yeah wow i mean i think first of all exactly what you're touching on having compassion for the fact that that period of life as a teenager is really where you are confronted with this tension on a daily basis between the authentic self, the stuff that feels most innate and natural and good to you, and then what you are presented with in the world, right? Like what the popular kids are doing, what you know, the way that you should behave, the right or wrong type of job to have. Like there are so, and that is really the first time you're confronted with it and you have zero foundation, right? Like at this point in our lives, like when you get to your thirties and beyond, let's say most of us have a level of understanding of self, but also like trust of self that's been built up through like a series of experiences where, you know, like, no, my intuition has not led me astray the last 10 times. So this time I'm going to trust it too. As teens, you don't have that yet. And so it's so hard to truly trust that inner compass when you're you're faced with so much pressure. I think that's probably the time in our lives where the pressure is the 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 highest, the greatest. As parents, again, having your child's chart can help you anticipate what are the areas, again, where that pressure is going to be strongest, where they're going to feel the greatest dissonance? And what are the things I want to get them to trust so that they can move through that dissonance in the most effortless, easeful way for them? Okay. So for example, if your child has an open, a white Ajna, which is the second center from the top, which is the center that rules basically our mind. It's the way where our opinions are formed, how we interpret things, all of that kind of brain activity, right? If your child has an, a white one, they are people who are not meant to quote unquote, make up their mind. They're going to have an open mind because they're here to be curious, ask questions instead of answer those questions. It's really about like looking at things from lots of different angles. Um, and when they are in a classroom with a teacher or other students that have that center colored in, those students are here to have an opinion, back that opinion, find the insights that they need to back that opinion up and they stick with that opinion, right? That can be super intimidating if you're someone who has this open mind and you're going to feel like, shoot, I'm not as intelligent as so-and-so because like I, you know, don't have those strong opinions or the ability to back them up with like these really rock solid arguments. Knowing this as a parent can help you address that with your child right? Like whether it's kind of slyly at the dinner table or overtly by actually talking about human design or using your own experience in that sense as an example. Um, it, it just shows you, if you understand your child's chart, what the most likely pain points are going to be based on those sensitivities. And then also encouraging, let's say that same child with the open Ajna um, has an emotional authority teaching that child that 
you know, it's actually okay for them to rely on their emotions to make decisions. Like their mind isn't actually their strongest source of insight, even though the world is telling them that that's, you know, how you're supposed to make good decisions is rational, logical ways to back it up. If you allow your child within your household to just share, well, I'm going to do this because it feels right and like support that, um, they are going to build a certain level of resilience that is going to serve them way beyond high school. Yeah. And I would advocate too. I mean, obviously parents do what is right or feels best for you, but I would 1000% advocate for sitting down and sharing you know, their chart with them and just being like, let's talk about this. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I would have absolutely loved that as a kid. Of course, I was also into astrology and all those things at the time, but anything I could have learned that would have helped me to understand myself better, which I mean, any of these systems, whether it is astrology, human de design, whatever, I love them so much for a myriad of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is because they help me to have compassion with how I show up in the world and with who I am. And to be able to give that gift to a teenager would just, I mean, honestly, like it makes me tear up just thinking about it because that would have been, that would have, you know, changed that whole dynamic for me growing up. It would have just been huge. And I'm someone who has mostly defined centers in my chart. So I'm not even wide open you know, but yeah. for those who are, oh my gosh, I just, that would just be huge. And even for you, if you have a lot of defined centers and you have one or two open, those are going to be extra sensitive, right? Because those are going to be the primary receptors of conditioning. So it's still really, really helpful to have that level of understanding and compassion. And I, I totally agree. I think the biggest thing people say when they discover human design is like, this makes me feel like, you know, my differences don't make me weird, but like this is, I, makes me feel so much better in my own skin. And like, if there's anything that you can gift a teenager, <laughs> I think that would probably be the greatest Huge. thing. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And even like, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, even having all the defined centers, being able to be like, it's okay that you're this way. It's okay that you can trust in this part of you. You don't need to, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I love that. I love that. All right, Miss Alexandra, I could just keep on talking with you. I, You have so many different ways in which folks can work with you. I'd love for you to um, share with us, you know, what your different offerings are from your um your reports, just kind of everything, where folks can find you. And then also too, for, um, for parents who maybe want to start with you because you don't, you do have a couple of things. Oh, I just remembered too. You've got this awesome, awesome community that's kicking off right as well. So I'll, I'll just stop talking now and let you take over. <laughs> Man. So my personal website, alexandracole.com is where you can book one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. But I will say, because I only do a limited amount of one-on-one -on -one sessions, that wait can sometimes be a little lengthy. So I've been working really hard to try and create other ways that people can kind of benefit from the way I approach human design. So if you go to thrivingbydesign.com, that's where you will find all my products. And I've got that raised by design report specifically for kids, which is that like high level summary. I've got a well by design report. Um, which is for mostly just 
anyone, but this isn't specifically towards kids or parents. It's just how to create the most optimal wellness routine and lifestyle based on your design. Um, I have a Nourish by Design course, which is all about how to feed your family according to their design. And then the thing you were alluding to that I'm most excited about is that I'm launching a kind of mastermind live program on parenting by design later this month. I think that this is coming out. Um, and it's a six-month program where I'm basically going to share everything I know about human design within the context of parenting. So we're going to be diving into you individually in your chart and how to create the most authentic parenting style for you, um, as well as your child's chart, your co-parent's chart. Um, and it's very much focused on the actual application and integration. That's why I'm calling it more of a mastermind um, because we're going to be on this journey together, sharing lots of stories, anecdotes, best practices. Um, and it's, I think the place that whether you have, whether you're a beginner with human design or you've been studying it for years, my goal was to create a container that would add value and, and fill a gap in the market for anyone on that spectrum. It just gives me chills. I'm like so excited. I'm so excited for that. I wish I think you that... could be in it. Maybe maybe you should <laughs> on behalf kids, of your like, nephews. <laughs> I'm so, I know. I'm literally going to be telling everyone I know who has kids about it because if I had kids, I mean like, oh, you know, I'd be doing all the things. I'd have the astrology charts. I'd have, I'd, 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 I don't understand parents who don't want to take advantage of these tools. Like I just oh. like... Parenting is the hardest job there is on the planet. I've been reading about parenting since I was young, even though I never really had a plan to have kids. That was never like something I wanted. But I think maybe because my childhood was rough, I've always like been really curious about the topic, you know, and I have such a big heart for kids. They're just they're amazing. They're incredible. Mm -hmm. I love being around them. Um, so I'm so thankful for you and your time. I'm so thankful that you're putting this work out into the world because I know like if, I mean, can you imagine a future where these kids are growing up and like, I mean, for parents too, just like how much more joyful it would be to be a parent in this way, you know, yeah. instead of like, oh no, this book said this and this book said that and this, you know what I mean? And uh, I could just go off. Um, so thank you so much for being here, Alexandra. I have loved following you on Instagram folks i will definitely leave links um she shares so much incredible content there so i know the mastermind everything's just going to be packed full of value um but thank you so much for being here and and sharing mm. all of your goodness with us thank you so much for having me and for being such a champion of the system and now of me like i i really am honored to be able to kind of speak to your community yeah they're awesome they're awesome <laughs> All right, folks, thank you so much for joining us and being with us today. If this inspired you, please be sure to share it with someone who could also benefit from it. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Join the email list for podcast updates, helpful resources, all kinds of good things. Sending you so much love. And don't forget, when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next time.